0: Well, praise God, I've been checking all afternoon. I'm still checking. (laughs) But the time has come. Amen. Uh, Another thing Dr. Dufresne encouraged ministers, he said, if you're not clear about the direction that you should go, just go with the first thing that you get when you go into the pulpit. And so I want you to go to, uh, praise God, Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Now, this is going to be a little different if we end up going this way. Amen. But uh, I believe you'll get something. You'll get something. You'll get something good. Luke chapter 16. No, I'm sorry, 19. Yes, sir, thank you. 19. The verse is 16. That's why I had that in my mind. First, uh, Luke 19, verse 13 is where we're headed. Now that I've thoroughly confused everybody. Hallelujah. Well, you know, one of the things that's been a challenge for me of late coming to the pulpit is that I have so much in my heart that I feel like is just vitally important that I need to get over to my group, my congregation. Just time is limited. Amen. Yeah. And uh, But I was telling the mentoring group Thursday night, uh, last Thursday was our first session, And, uh, but I was telling them that I have more expectation in me now of the Lord's imminent return than at any other time in my life as a believer. And that includes, you know, 1999 coming into the year 2000, you remember all that heyday, then all that we went through and we were just sure when the computers crashed and the, all of that because of Y2K and, and all of that, that we were out of here. And, um, um, there, there's a lot of reasons why uh, the body of Christ was so expectant uh, anticipating an event uh, because, uh, you know, and I'm not a date setter, not in terms of the day or the hour, but we should know the season. Yeah. In fact, Jesus, you know, people just want to, I'm, I'm a little kind of tired of this, uh, some leaders in the body of Christ sort of laughing off the study and the preaching of end-time events, oh, it'll all shake out. Well, yeah, it will, but there's no need for you to be ignorant about it. No need for us to be ignorant of one-third of the Bible. I heard a minister I, I, I really respect say this. He said, for every one scripture that talked about the first coming of Christ, there are eight scriptures that talk about His second coming of Christ. And that'd be a lot of wasted territory if, you know, we just, you know... Ignore it. And um, that doesn't mean that we all have to be eschatology experts. That doesn't mean that. But we need to know enough, amen, to know the times and the season we're living in so that it properly shapes our mindset and our lifestyle. I've said this for a long time. The way you believe about the last days affects how you live your life today. What you believe about what's going to happen tomorrow affects greatly how you live today. Jesus said, beware that you don't be like these servants whose master goes on a long journey and they begin to say to themselves, our master Terry's is coming. He's not coming for a long time. And what? They begin to drink. They begin to misbehave. They begin to get lax because they they expect him not to return. And what did the Lord say through the parable? He said, suddenly, unexpectedly, their master will show up and there'll be a reckoning they weren't waiting for. Amen? When Jesus returns, amen? Now again, I need to bless you. You have to make this clear. Amen. In a general way, you can talk of the Lord's return as the catching away of the church, but He's not coming physically to the planet in that event. We meet the Lord in the air. Amen. The harpazo, the catching away of the church. Amen. That's the next big thing on God's prophetic calendar. Glory to God. And uh, praise God. Well, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily, and you, can, you're, you have your right to your thought, whatever. Praise God. We're still friends. But, uh, you know, those that say we're going to go through at least half of the tribulation period, you know, the christ cannot overcome Christ. And we are Christ's body on the earth. He doesn't have the authority to step on the scene and do anything overt out there. In that position, as long as the body of Christ is on the earth, he doesn't have the authority. Oh, but once the church is removed, it'd be a different deal. And so, anyway, praise God. I don't need your letter or email. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. But I'm just, I'm telling you that there is, I have this expectancy, and if you are painted across the body of Christ, I'm not the only one that has a high anticipation. Amen. We don't have much time left. Amen. And uh, I just had some things. I'm just going to just keep talking until the time runs out. You know, however this comes out, it comes out. Amen. And to share things in my heart. You know, the Bible says in Timothy, Paul said, In the last days, some will depart from the faith. That part of the effect of what happens in the last days is that some who were solid in the faith, they served God, they, uh, they went to church, they had a prayer life, I, I I could fill a Rolodex of people I know and have come across, and, and God brought them into relationship in my life, that were once on the praise team. They were pillars in the church. They they didn't have the title of the deacon, but they had the that, that type of role. And they are messed up. They are in the world. They have not been in church in many years. They have abandoned the faith. They are in the world. Amen. Now, this has happened to a degree... You know, in every in every season of the church age, but we're just seeing it more and more and more and more, and so it is important for you and I to, like we sang, not to be afraid, but to be sober. We're instructed again and again in the Word to be sober, to be watchful, to be paying attention. Another end time. Uh, moment or topic or frame of conversation jesus said had the had the man of the house known that that night the robber the thief was would break into his house he would have stayed home he would have stayed up he would have been ready he would not have allowed his house to be broken into and plundered amen but the one who's not paying attention who's not guarding the gate is subject to theft and 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 bad things happening And so, whether it's Peter, whether it's Jude, whether it's the Apostle Paul, whether it's the Lord Jesus Himself, believers in every age, through every century of the church age, we are commanded to be watchful and to be sober, to expect the Lord's return. Amen. You know, the rapture, as I see it, has no sign attached to it. The rapture, as an event, is signless. It could happen at any moment. Amen. But the second coming has many, many, many signs. And, and many, that's not my sermon tonight, but many, many, many of those signs. I mean, stuff that will blow your mind. I, I linked a little video from a minister who focuses on these things in one of his updates on my recent Facebook page. You ought to go watch it, it's not very long. But he just rattles off about 50 signs that will just absolutely blow your mind. Did you know that uh, uh, on the day of Yom Kippur? Uh, The Day of Atonement, the most holy day in Israel this last year, Shemitah year. You may not know what that is. That's okay. Uh, That the Dead Sea turned red like blood. Yeah, turned red like blood. That's where Sodom and Gomorrah used to be. Amen. I mean, I could just go on and on and on and on. But, you know, when you just interact with... Believers in Paducah, daily life, again, believers are so caught up in what Jesus said to beware of, the cares of this life, the cares of this life, the lust of other things, the desire for other things, amen? The deceitfulness of riches, people chasing money. These are God's people, but the Word is endeavoring to be sown, but they're not producing anything with the Word because they're bad ground. He talked about, in Mark chapter 4, the bad ground and the good ground. You know, you could be that that wayside ground. Word of God gets presented, and it's just rejected out of hand. Amen? That's wayside ground. And then there's the stony ground. Remember them? And they receive the Word of God immediately with gladness. Oh, amen, pastor, that's such a good word. But they have no root in them. There's no root. They're shallow. Their Christian life is too shallow. And then when a little fruit of that word begins to pop out, because there's no depth, there's no root in them, they're not mature enough in that, persecutions come, Satan stirs up pressure, and it scorches that little plant, and they don't produce anything. But then the third kind of dirt Jesus talked about was the thorny ground. Amen? And he said three things. He said it's the cares of this life, the lust of other things. Other, other than what? Other, other than God being God in your life. Other than the Word being the Word, the work of the kingdom. Uh, you know, amen. I just encourage you in these last days, like that man said, uh, don't fit church into your life. The church is your life. <laughs> amen. The church is your life. Amen. And I, I understand that this little local church doesn't represent the whole church on the earth. Amen. But people underestimate the importance of the local church. I don't have time to teach you that either. But the vast majority of references to the ecclesia, the church, the assembly of God in the New Testament, is a direct reference to a local body of believers, not the body of Christ at large. Amen. People kind of try to uh, stretch the bounds uh, and they want to take the universal church, which is a real and wonderful thing, and they want to make the existence of the universal church as a thing their excuse for living life as a Christian, as a lone ranger, and not taking their place in the local church. Now That's not going to fly. And so that, this maybe would be a good segue to what I thought I might try to get into. And that is... That you have, we all do, you have a set place in the body. You have a set place in the body. And it's so vitally important that you occupy that space. That you function in that place. And that you understand, I know I can be intense, but it's an intense time. Amen. And uh, praise God that, um, that we don't get to ignore, we don't get to be absent to our God-ordained, carved-out place in the body without consequence and effect. What do you mean, Pastor? You don't get to not come to church, not have a job in the church, not put the church in, your, in its proper place. And you still get your prayers answered, you still get blessed, you still have health, you still have this, you still have... You know, and all of that. No, 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 a thousand times no, it doesn't work that way. Now, people are getting... I said this in mentoring, too. You know, people seem to have done that, and we watch them. We watch them from afar. And a decade goes by, and it looks like things are going fine. Another decade looks good. It looks like things are going fine. But I'm telling you what, they think they got away with it. But that's not God's endorsement. That's God's mercy and patience. But eventually, the bill comes due. And that's kind of what we're talking about in mentoring is what I see, amen, what I see so much as I observe uh, is the bill come and due for many Christians. You get mad, you get offended, you do whatever you want to do with this, but I believe you cannot separate people's Christians' experiences with COVID from the shaking that's going on in the church. I mean, some people, they have all the, they have all the, the danger situations. They're, they're older. They're heavy. They have diabetes. They're in the danger group. But they love God, and they're tithing. and they come to church, and they do all that. And even if they get COVID, it's just like no big deal. And then you have young people, healthy people, vibrant people with rocking immune systems and no diseases that get it and die. To me, there's not a natural explanation for that. These things are deeply spiritual. And I'm not saying that everyone that dies of COVID has been judged by God. But I'm just telling you, I am saying every Christian that has died of COVID, I'm talking of that, I'm not talking about just getting, you know, people live their life out. Y'all have to hear me right and discern what I'm saying. Uh, There is a reason why God was not able to heal, keep, and deliver them. It's not that God chose not to. God is not choosing not to. He wants to. He want, God's will is to heal every person every single time of every single thing. Always. Always. Don't have time to teach you that either, but you know how, we, how the Bible just teaches that. Amen. He's a good God. If that doesn't happen in someone's life, God was not able to. Something was hindering that. And a lot of times for many people, God has waited 10 years, then He waited 20 years, then He waited 30 years. How long are you going to make Him wait before you get in your place? How long should He watch you live in disobedience to His will and still answer your prayers, giving you time and mercy? To And I know many of this, it doesn't apply to you, but we all the devil's going to try to get all of us out of our place. One of the Antichrist strategies you can read about is in Daniel, we're not turning there, Daniel 7, 25, and it says that uh, there will be this conscious effort on the part of the Antichrist to just flat wear out the saints, wear them out. That strategy, you know, it's going to ramp up in the tribulation period, but it's already at work. Yeah. It's already at work. Wear you down. Beat you down. Wear you out. Sap your strength. is it right? If he can't destroy a believer's life and a minister's life, and get through sin, he will just get behind them and drive, if he can just drive them through busyness and distractions and heaping all this stuff into their life, cares of this world, uh, them taking on things God never wanted them to take on, and they're running here and they're running there, and they never have time for the real thing. And, And Satan just destroy Christians, render them totally ineffective just by driving them through busyness. And that's why I said, I think, to the men the other night, or somebody, you're going to have to put your foot to the neck of your schedule. Amen. All right, let's read a scripture here. Luke chapter 19, verse 13. And he, Jesus, called his ten servants and delivered unto them ten pounds and said unto them, what did he say? Occupy. Everyone say, Occupy. Occupy. Till I come. Okay, well, amen. What do we think he means by that? Occupy what, guys and gals? Your place. Occupy your place. He didn't mean just breathe earthly air and do whatever you want. In other words, you're in the earth where there's an enemy. Amen. And Jesus defeated the enemy. But we are the occupying force. I said, we are the occupying force in the earth. Jesus defeated Satan, demons, death, hell, and the curse. But we're in the earth, and we have a place, and our job is to enforce the devil's defeat. Amen. That Jesus inflicted on the enemy in our sphere, in our life. Amen. Every single one of us has a place. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you this term. I, I, I spent a, little, a few minutes with the guys on Friday night talking about this. But I want to I'll make mention of this. I'll give you this term, places in the Spirit. Do you understand that there are places in the Spirit? You have to follow me here. Like I said, I don't know what you'll get, but you'll get something. But there are places in the Spirit. And that's what Jesus, I believe, is talking about, Mom. Occupy your place in the Spirit. Now, our having a spiritual place has natural connections and influences. Amen? Praise God. You know, uh, the office of the pastor is a place in the Spirit. But having you know it, there's a natural place that the pastor is, is connected to as well. My place in the Spirit as a pastor is at 3250 Steel Road. Amen. God gave me a seat of authority in McCracken County. And, around, and really, God talked to me about uh, a ministry and a mantle that has a regional influence. I didn't make that up. That's just something He said. Amen. So, yes, there are natural implications for my place in the Spirit. But there are spiritual implications for my place in the Spirit. And we have to be aware of both and become skillful at both. Amen? Kamal, as an evangelist, has a place in the Spirit. How many of you know his longevity, his future, his reward, his blessing over the course of his life is dependent on him getting into that place in the Spirit? How many of you know you got to do a whole bunch of stuff to even get in to the office of the evangelist. You have to be called, number one, of heaven, called of God, called of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not up to you. But He was, and He is. Amen? But then He's got to do everything as a Christian, just as a Christian, just as a son, just as a child of God, to qualify Himself to enter into that place in the Spirit, which He has done. But He did that by great cost, didn't He? He had to cross the big ocean blue. Come over here with how much money in your pocket? 600 and... $30 in your pocket, had to have a whole lot of faith, persevere a whole lot of things. Then God connects him with a man of God that can help him, and he had to put up with me, and still is having to put up with me. Amen. Praise God. And that's a spiritual connection that has natural implications also. But do you know, Reverend Kamal, there'll be, even if you stay in the office of the evangelist, your entire time on the body of Christ, there's different ranks, there's different... Uh, levels of influence within that office. God could expand that out. He could expand your voice, expand your anointing, expand your levels of responsibility, and He wants to. Mm -hmm. Amen. But that's a place in the Spirit. You have to understand some things about places in the Spirit. You young people. Amen. You know, uh, oh, praise God. You know we're all, in the eyes of the Lord, Brother Philip, equally important to God. There's no big I and little you. There's none of that. There's big Jesus. That's yeah. He's the big one. <laughs> God. But all of us, Brittany, all of us, Daniel, all of us, we're equally important to Jesus. Jerry, we're equally important to God. He doesn't love you more than he loves me, Caleb. He loves us the same. we got the same blood, we got the same promise, same word, same Holy Ghost, same Father, same Jesus, same crowns, same thing. Mm-hmm. Amen? But here's understanding that, having said that, we have to understand that in the body of Christ there is rank. That, that speaks nothing to our value, but it does speak to our place. And do you know just like the, in, this, in this regard, the body of Christ on the earth, even in heaven, is just like every other kingdom and every other army and every other system that has rank. Right? So all since the day of Pentecost, since, you know, when the the church got really going, and you had the 12, but eventually, guess what? Those 12 died, they were martyred, and then they went on to be with heaven. Well, the program's got to keep going. Some say they were the last of the apostles, but they're not. That that wasn't the last of the apostles. The New Testament names over 20, almost 30 apostles. Amen. But see, as people graduate, they take their place, they fulfill their ministry, and they go on to heaven. They graduate. They're off the earthly scene. Those places, there are places in the Spirit that are now left vacant. And this is what I mean to you young people. Should the Lord tarry his coming another 50 years, will you stay the course? Will you love God even though your friends may not? And come up through the ranks so that God has someone qualified to fill these upper vacancies in the Spirit? Or are we just going to let it flop out there? Jesus said, Occupy until I come. Go, go with me to First Kings 19. Y'all okay? Can you stand a little more? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your, um, your safest place is in your place in the Spirit. Not in your bunker. Now have a bunker. I, I might have a bunker one day. But that's not my safest place. Here's another thing: Where is, as a Christian, where is your grace to, where is your place of greatest power, influence, effectiveness, fruitfulness? Where is that? It's not in earthly position. It's in occupying your set place in the Spirit. When I was in California, this is where God began to deal with me about some of these things. And one of the things He told me, He said, uh, He said, Son, your greatest place of effectiveness as a pastor is not behind your pulpit. It is in fully occupying your place in the Spirit that is the office of the pastor. Now that includes the pulpit. Amen. But I can have great effect among the sheepfold by entering in and occupying my place in the spirit on Monday morning, praying, taking authority over devices of the enemy. I heard Billy Brim say this, and I knew this, but it's good to be reminded. And she said, uh, God began to rev- her base, you know, her ministries in Branson, and they have a huge meth problem, and they've just been taken over by meth. And uh, the Lord said, it's the church's fault in Branson. Nothing happens in a community except the church in that community allows it to happen. Nothing. And he said, because the churches in Branson are so disjointed and not unified and so not prayerful that the devil came in. Why? Because the body of Christ in that city not occupying their place in the Spirit. Amen? Voting plays a role. But occupying our place in the Spirit will keep a lot of the junk out of Paducah, out of our schools. We just don't have to allow homosexuality in that Spirit to take it over, guys. And if we do, it's the body of Christ in this area that didn't take their place in the Spirit. Why? Because everybody's absent at all the prayer meetings because they're too busy occupying a natural place. They're occupying a t-ball place. They're occupying a, uh, the lust of other things place or the cares of this world place. But if we don't ever step into our place in the Spirit, the devil is taking advantage of all the vacancies that there are in the Spirit. That's something I wanted to get over. Thank you. Amen. Are you all following me? Am I making any sense? Hallelujah. First Kings 19. And uh, what verse am I looking for? Yeah. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto him, to Elijah the prophet. Now what place in the spirit is he occupying? The office of the prophet. And, and is he a, a low-ranking prophet? Or, no. Is there a higher-ranking prophet in the land at this time than him? No. So he's not more valuable to, the, you know, to, to God as a person, but in rank, it's an important position that he's occupying. Is that right? And just to give you the the quick you know uh, background on this, in this what I'm about what's leading up to this culmination in 1516, Elijah resigned. That's the way I put it. He just got discouraged. He got tired of running from Jezebel, and he said, "Look, I quit." And what is what's interesting is God accepted his resignation, Kamal, So be careful about quitting as a minister. Is He just might accept your resignation? I had the Lord tell me that one time. He, he taught. I quit on him twice. I quit this pastorate twice. I didn't sign a piece of paper, but I just told the boss. I said, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I mean, that second time, I threw her into park, wherever I was, and I said, listen, Father, I want you to know, when I get home, I'm going to begin the process of figuring out what else I'm going to do with my life, because I'm done doing this. And he just, it's about a ten-minute story to tell you how sweet he was, and how he got me out of that, and he did, that bad attitude, Amen. But then he said this when it was all over and I was back in a good place. He said, "This is the second time you've quit on me. Don't do it again." And he told him, "Remember, Elijah." He resigned, and I accepted his resignation. So I, I, I felt mildly tempted, bef- you know, since then I said, "No, I'm not even going to go there because I enjoy, I enjoy my place of service." Yeah. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So anyway, he quit. But here you see God's instruction. He said, And the Lord said unto him, Verse 15, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you come, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. Now this is a place in the Spirit. Amen. And uh, Jehu, Yehu, that Yahu, praise God, I don't mean to be disrespectful. The son of Nimshi, shall you anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, notice this, the son of Shaphat of Abimlahola, or however you say that, shall you anoint to be prophet in thy room. Or, I can tell by your translations you're reading, in your place. Place. Everyone say place. Place, place is in the Spirit. Now here's what I find fascinating, Miss Carey. God accepted His resignation right then. But do you know that he wasn't caught up to be with the Lord in that chariot for at least six, some theologians say it could be as many as 10, 12 years later? Now why? What was he doing? If you, if you know the account, what was he doing? He, found, he anointed those other two guys, but then he, he found Elisha. He had to train him. He had to train him. Can you see something, Brother Lester? You're with me. That was important to God in this? Why didn't he just take him? You have to have someone to fill the place. In other words, God doesn't want a vacancy. No vacancy. No interruption. This is a place in the Spirit. The plan of God needs. The earth needs So even though he accepted his resignation, he allowed Elijah to stay on the earth. Let's say it's ten years. Ten years to mentor Elisha. Amen. Then he was caught away. Amen. You know, think about the implications of a man of God occupying his place in the Spirit. Think about all those prophets of Baal. Satan was trying to work through those false prophets of Baal, wasn't he? Right? Right? But they couldn't have their way in Israel. They couldn't have the impact they later did. Amen. Because Elijah was strong, and Elijah was equipped, and Elijah was anointed, and Elijah was in his place. Amen. And he called, all those, he called everybody together on Mount Carmel. There's 400 of those false prophets of Baal, and then all the host of Israel, and say, today we're going to demonstrate to everybody who's God, your God or our God. We're going to find out today. Call down fire from heaven. God called down fire from heaven on his sacrifice. God honored him. And then what did they do with 400 prophets of Baal? <laughs> <laughs> Thrust them through, took them off the scene. You see, Satan was not able to progress. He was not able to use those false prophets of Baal. There was no prophet because there wasn't a vacancy in the spirit. Amen. And the moment as Elisha went up, the mantle went down and another man picked it up. Yeah. Amen. Now, you may not be, none of us are, the prophet Elijah. But I'm telling you what, you know, there's, there's position all across all the varied ranks and all the different places and stations in the body of Christ. And there are, there's more vacancies in the body of Christ than there are all the jobs available out in America today that people aren't taking. Who will work in the nursery? Don't look at me. That's a place in the Spirit. Amen. Need a few guys to come out to work day. Somebody else is going to do it. I'm not doing it. Why? For whatever reason you bring up in your brain to justify it. Uh, Thursday morning prayer, different prayer meetings. Not everybody can come because of work and obligation. I really understand that, but a lot of people could come. There's a lot of vacancies in that. We may have every little chair full. But that doesn't mean we're full. A lot of vacancies in the Spirit. Because what? Well, I'm a couch potato. Well, I'm not. Well, well, well. I don't want to put my makeup on that early. Well, well. <laughs> you know, we're all going to stand before the Lord. And I don't know what place in the Spirit necessarily you're all called to, but you're all called to occupy a place. You know, for time's sake, I'll just keep rattling off, you know, a few references. But if you were to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, God has said every member, every member. He situated every member in the body of Christ as it has pleased Him. Yeah. In other words, He ordained every member in the body of Christ a place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A place. Amen. A place. Mm-hmm. A place. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the 25th verse of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, If one member suffers, the whole body suffers suffers if one member suffers the whole member and he, you remember he says the eye in the body cannot say I'm not needed you can't say that oh yes. uh, church don't need me big crowd they don't need me got plenty of people I don't need to do it I don't need to come I don't need to attend they won't miss me no big deal <laughs> but in the spirit I said in the spirit there's a place that people are supposed to occupy. Let me. I, I challenged the men on Friday night uh, about this. Do you know that a Christian husband, that is a place in the Spirit? And do you know, husbands, that your wives, as spiritual as they are, they cannot right. occupy that place in the Spirit for your family? They've learned to support and put up Rickets and, you know, little things to try to supplement for the unpraying husband, the unfaithful husband, all that. But, amen, only the husband can occupy that place in the Spirit. I can't occupy her place in the Spirit. The wife, the Christian wife has a place in the Spirit. Amen. I can't occupy that place in the Spirit. Are you with me? But do you see how uh, it's it's interesting to me especially in the full-time ministry scenario how how God sees how dangerous it is to leave vacancies in the spirit. Were y'all paying attention? Did you know who Brother Hagin was in 2003? Were you around enough to know? Did you know who 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 knew who Brother Hagin was in, in 2003? Okay, wow. Man, i got to have to go teach about Brother Eight. Well, his place in the Spirit, he, he occupied a large place in the Spirit for the body of Christ in America. Amen. And that socialistic, that spirit of communism, athe, athe, in the prophet place, in that place in the Spirit, in prayer, he saw those evil spirits trying to come upon the land. He saw Satan's strategy. And in his place in the Spirit, he bound it, he rebuked it, Satan wasn't able to gain that kind of ground because Brother Hagan was faithful to occupy, in his call, his place in the Spirit. But have you noticed what's happened in America since 2003 when Brother Hagin went home to be with the Lord? Well, we have a big, fat vacancy in prayer. And that atheistic, communistic spirit has just come in like a flood. Wherever there is a vacancy in the Spirit, Satan will occupy it. Just like in the natural, power doesn't like a vacuum. Same thing in the spirit realm. Hello. Y'all are getting quiet and getting sober, but yeah, amen. These things are, you know, God began to deal with me about these things. Amen. Do you know your helps ministry position is a place in the spirit? Amen. 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 There's a natural component to that, but there's a spiritual component to that too. Go over with me to, we're not going to go too much longer, Ephesians chapter 1. You know another example I got real excited about? Because I I was talking to God and I said, well God, I I see that about Elijah, but if it's a real real thing you're showing me, there's got to be more examples than just the one. And uh, I just love God, I just tell you. He spoke right back to me and said, well, what about Judas? What about Judas? You all know about Judas, right? Did Jesus not choose him? How many apostles, disciples, originally to be apostles, did he choose? Twelve. Twelve. One of them, as was prophesied, betrayed the Lord. Judas. Well, you get to Acts chapter 1, post-resurrection. Jesus is gone. Peter, the, uh, you count them. It specifically mentions in Acts chapter 1. Who was there? All the 11 are there. I counted them the other day. Peter was there. James was there. The other James was there. All of them were there. You count them up. It's 11 plus Mary, plus Mary Magdalene, plus, you know, 120 total believers. And they're in that room. And they're praying. They're yeah. waiting like God t- said to wait for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Are you all with me? Amen. Okay, and one of the first things Peter gets, he stands up in the midst of them one day and says, you know, it occurs to me, because he remembered, he was a good Bible reader, and he remembered in Psalm 69, Psalm 109, that it it prophesied about the man that would betray the Messiah, and it says in those Psalms, let another man take his place. In Acts chapter 1, he quotes that scripture. Says, says, let, let his bishopric, his place in the Spirit, his ministry, call. Let another man take it. Because why? God doesn't want any vacancies. He ordained 12, and there's going to be 12. The church was going to start with 12, not 11. And so before the outpouring, before the Holy Ghost was poured out, guess what? They filled the vacancy. Because it's a place in the Spirit. Hallelujah. You know, one of the things I found myself doing lately is telling the Father, "Thank you for thinking of me. I have a place. It's nice to have a place you fit. Amen. 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 It's nice to have a place where you found that you found your joint. Amen. In the body, and you're in your place, and you're bringing your supply." And maybe no one's patting you on the back. Amen. Maybe you're not being heralded. Maybe you got a behind-the-scenes position. Amen. Oh, but God sees everything. Amen. And don't let the enemy ever tell you that your place doesn't matter. Because if one member is suffering, the whole body suffers. If there's one vacancy, needed vacancy, in a local church, the whole local church suffers. We suffer in lost impact. We suffer in the absence of miracles. We suffer in lack of progress to the plan of God. We suffer in the lack of growth because we don't have the human infrastructure. People are not in their place to be able to handle the fruit that God would like to bring. But He's not going to pour a bunch of people on us to help us make a mess. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to show you about another place in the Spirit here. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So look look at verse 3 of chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. In heavenly places. Amen. Look at verse 19. Paul is in the midst of a prayer. And he says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand. Talking about He raised Christ from the dead. He raised Jesus from the dead and set Jesus at the Father's right hand where? Heavenly places. Spiritual places. Jesus, aren't you glad that He is sitting In His seat tonight, at the right hand of the Father, what does the Bible say? He's doing in that place where He ever lives to make intercession for you, Trey. Aren't you glad that though many are unfaithful to pray, Jesus is in His place, doing His thing, day in and day out, the head of the church, occupying His exalted place in the Spirit. The Bible talks about spiritual places. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Amen. Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us, that means made us alive, quickened us, together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and has raised us up together, and made us sit together, ha, come on, where? In heavenly places. In heavenly places. We are seated with Christ in that same seat in a heavenly place. Your prayer life is a place in the Spirit. See, this is every family, every mother, every child, but every husband is so vitally important that you, you conduct your life From your place in the Spirit as a believer, doesn't have anything to do with the church, doesn't have anything to do with the local church, volunteering, anything like that. In this case, your seat in heavenly places in Christ, that's a place in the Spirit. And you're supposed to pray from that place. You're supposed to take authority over the devil from that place. You're supposed to decree finances and prosperity. You're supposed to pray over your wife. You're supposed to declare over your children. I set the boundary to the devil every day with my family. To the devil. I'm in my seat. And Satan, my children, my wife and I and my kids, we are kept by the power of God through faith. I'm just letting you know the boundary today is where I set it yesterday. And that is you don't get away Amen. I talk about the blood. He keeps me by the power of God. He delivers me and my children. I also mention you every day in that prayer. Everyone rightly connected with Amber and I are partners, my sons, my daughters, my children, and my church people. We're delivered out of every work. No evil work, no evil disease, nothing. You know, however I say it that day. Hey, I talk about the blood. I've released the angels. I am in my seat of authority. Amen. And I'm letting the devil know, you may not. Well, husbands, come on. Your family needs you in that place, in that flow. Not begging God and be with my family and help me, give me a few crumbs, Lord. No. Know your place in the Spirit. Know who you are in Christ. Take your place as, your, as the head and the leader of your family. Not just naturally. Demand, don't demand a dinner. and all that, That's how you get in my office needing marriage counseling. But if you're going to put your foot down, put your foot down on the devil. Put your foot down on the enemy. Amen. You'll have less problems. Whatsoever you bind... In your place in the Spirit, we'll be bound. But whatever you permit, because you're not sitting where you're supposed to sit, you're ignoring your place in the Spirit, then God, the, God already decreed it. I'll permit what you permit. I'll allow what you allow. You see here, you get my motor run a little bit. There's a lot to think about and a lot to talk about in terms of uh, places in the Spirit. Let's close with one more scripture. How about this? Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Y'all ever read that one? How many of you know you might you might, if you had fresh eyes, you might see something new. You might see something you hadn't seen before. I did. Psalm 91, verse 1. You there? He that dwells, I wrote in my Bible, not visit. I wrote that in my Bible. Not visit. He that dwells. He that dwells in the. You didn't get it. They didn't get it, Brother Scott. They'd been more excited about it. He that dwells where? Hmm. Is he talking about places again? Here's another place in the Spirit. It's a secret place. And you can live there. You can dwell there. And really, you know, if you understand the rest of the psalm, all those promises only belong to the ones who will occupy this particular place in the Spirit. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty shall say. See, it's one thing, we've all probably done it, we're in our head, we're in our flesh, but we've learned some things about faith, and without any real anointing or anything, we, we say something, and that's fine, you'll get some effect. But I tell you what, if you'll take time to get in your place in the Spirit, what's that mean? Worship God a while, become aware of His presence. Think about who you are in Christ. Think about the name. Think about the blood. Think about your covenant. Think about the power of your word. Worship God. Get in that place. Let the anointing of God come on you. And then say it. Then say, money, come. Then, moms, you say, you foul harassing spirit, harassing my teenager. I'm telling you, if you will take a little time to occupy your place, become more conscious, I don't mean get kooky weird, but I mean be spiritual. You know, you could say spiritual words from a natural position and it just won't get you the bite, it won't get you the pop. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why, you know, sometimes people catch me after I've ministered in the back. I've had enough time to come down out of that anointing a little bit. Then they want me to pray for them. Well, I'm fine. I'm happy to do that. I do get results. Amen. But it's much better if you take advantage of when the anointing is the strongest on me. Amen. Amen. Learn how to be around um, ministers if you have a chance to be around them. And don't just chat about a bunch of natural stuff all the time. You know, they spend all afternoon trying to get in the Spirit, and then you pull them out talking about nothing. See, sometimes I come out, sometimes I don't, pre-service. It's not because I'm wanting to be reclusive or anything, but sometimes the way I sense God's going to move in the service, I, I feel like I can be out among the people before the service. Now, after the service, I'm the last one to leave, typically. Amen i got some good security guys now that watch after me and all that. but, Amen. But you know, before the service. But then, you know, a couple of Wednesday nights ago, I, I just, you know, I didn't really want to be around anybody. I just felt like it was different. Different flow, different anointing. Yeah. Amen. amen. Praise God. Well, the people that are around me in the back room have got to be sensitive. You can't be carnal all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. we will just try to put her in park here and go home. But uh, I believe, you know, that there's individual places in the Spirit, right? In different functions. We've seen the believer's place in the Spirit in a heavenly place. We've seen the individual place in the Spirit just by living in the presence of God, Psalm 91. We've seen fivefold ministry places in the Spirit that must be occupied. We, and we need people coming up through the ranks that are genuinely called, who will submit to and stay with the training process because should the Lord Terry is coming someday, long time from now, I'm going to get old and it would be nice to have a pastor, wouldn't it? But people have to come up through the ranks and get into those places in the spirit. I know a lot of ministers who God deals with them about a greater place, a different office, and they're shy about it. They know it's God. They know it's God. But they, you know, they say to go from the prophet's office to the, or excuse me, the pastor's office into the prophet's office. God will do that sometimes. Amen. And that pastor who's comfortable and settled in that, but ooh, he didn't want anybody to think, ooh, you know, well, you know, uh, you know, I think God may be leading me, may be dealing with me, and I don't know. No, you don't. You really do. You know. (laughs) Don't be weird, but if you know, and you know it's God, and you know it's time, step into it. Because we need the Elishas in their place, right? We need to fill up the evangelists in their place. Amen. But all of those, but here's what I'm putting her in park with. I believe that there is a corporate body, a place in the Spirit that we can only all get into together. I can't get us there. Stacy can't get us there. We have to go there. And there's a place in the Spirit in this region that God has ordained and called this church to occupy. But two or three of us that want to get there and are reaching for it alone won't do it. We've got to have many, many, many who are reaching for the plan of God. Amen? Amen. And those that can, amen, when we have these special meetings, I promise you, I am not filling the calendar to, you know, to fill the calendar, to make it look like we're doing something. I really have prayed. I really have checked it. I really have, you know, when I invite someone here, I'm not interested in bringing a preacher rodeo in front of you. I mean, I could bring in, really, I mean, we've had favor. I could bring in, it's a great church. Amen. Amen. Many that would come. But I'm, I'm looking to be led by God. And, and uh, there's an impartation. There. It's an opportunity for us to spend some extra time this weekend into early next week. Amen. And let's, I don't know where we'll go in the spirit, what God has fully, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be here to be a part. Amen. 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 And to be in my particular place in the spirit and in the natural to help make the thing go amen and uh, praise God if your job allows it amen I, I'm as your pastor I'm, I'm warning you and asking you and challenging you and expecting you amen to be in your place amen. and if, if that's your place then that's where I expect you to be amen 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 amen, amen. father I just pray this has been alright that the people got a nugget or two And Lord, as we close, I'm I'm, I'm asking you for further light. I I know by the witness that there's there's more I need to know. There's more I need to see. Praise God about this subject. Glory to God. And so I'm looking, Father. I'm, I'm, I'm asking. And I'm asking in front of the saints. I'm asking for the prayers of the saints. That revelation and insight, wisdom would be given unto me. That I could see what I need to see. That I could know what I need to know. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. I'm-